I am so excited about you guys getting the global honor last night. How did that feel to you? Uh, completely a surprise, Great. for sure. Uh, and uh, humbling, um, having heard some of the earlier stories through the evening from some of the other groups that are here that are being honored as well and just wondering about all the great stuff that's going on in the world and uh, feeling great that you've identified us as having a little piece yeah, of the that. the judges did. I had nothing to do with it. I don't well, get we, any credit, but yeah. Yeah. Well, that's really, except for picking the judges, I'm good. That's really great. And, you know, Robert's team in our office and then um, Tenna and Heather, who you've talked to on the phone, I think right. did a fabulous job of... Uh, and I think you did a fabulous job of asking us to take what, what I thought of as we have these strands of thoughts that we've had at Lake Plato for years. Mm -hmm. And in many ways, um, applying for the award allowed us to coalesce them into kind of a more cohesive whole. Mm -hmm. And so I think that was very illuminating for us. So let me ask Robert to introduce himself. And we'll do that now. We've been excited about you, your mm -hmm. honor last night. Introduce yourself and tell us what Lake Plato is about. Um, my name is Robert Hong. Um, I'm the director of business development at Lake Plato. Um, and Lake Plato, I, in in my mind, is a is really a, a company that's built on um, uh, really establishing kind of a design ethos that is really focused on connecting people to uh, their natural environment. And our work is very focused on kind of. A, almost an ethereal feeling of like being able to go places where you know like you have developed these memories you, know, you have like these special places and the, the our type so of work. So give me an example of that where you've um, done that so we can see it. Yeah where we do a lot of our work is uh, what we call eco conservation projects that are really uh, emanate from nature that really uh, play play off of the place like the like, natural landscape we do a lot of um, in eco conservations like nature centers uh, Where have like, you done one? Um, there's one, I'll, I'll tell you the one because uh, it's a special place for my family and because it's uh, in San Antonio um, and I'm not from San Antonio and so this was designed uh, after I was there, after I had uh, my wife and I had our first child mm. and um, since he's been one, since basically since he's been able to walk, we've always taken him there and he loves to interact. It's you know, a building that is an urban ecology center. So it's a building that's focused on educating kind of the public. Hardworker um, Park, Yes, right? yes. Mm -hmm. uh, and it's, uh, it's a public project. You can go at any time. And he's uh, five years old right now, but he still loves going there. And just kind of interacting with kind of the tactile nature and the, the essence of like the water streams and whatnot, and being kind of in tune with nature. Yeah, I can feel that one now. Yeah. So introduce yourself, Greg, and answer the question about one of the projects you've done that you felt like was when you were first starting to get the idea about moving beyond sustainability. Mm -hmm. And you know, we're never there, right? But right, there was something there. you could see the difference. Help us see that, but introduce yourself first. Yeah, so my name is Greg Pape. I'm a partner with Lake Plato. I work with Robert and a whole team of 100 people in our office um, making environments all over the country, all over North America. Um, oh, I, I work mostly in learning environments, so I get to work with children quite a bit. Mm. And recently I completed one in Birmingham, Alabama named Indian Spring School. It's on 300 acres of land. It could be a state park. It's so beautiful. They had the Olmsted brothers do the master plan of the campus. But the campus had developed 
um, for 50 years kind of in the wrong way. And um, so we came in and were able to change, move some existing buildings, remove them, put new buildings in, reconnect the students to the landscape because it was such a beautiful uh, ethos of, um, of that campus. They have a theme called learning by living. And our job was to try to find a way to extract that in the normal schedule of a school day. And so our approach to that was actually, rather than making one large building, which would have been easier and less expensive, we made four smaller buildings that all opened up to views, all connected students to outdoor classrooms, all um, had them engaging in the outdoor. <laughs> you wanna, uh, so Lisa wants to run a question? Yeah, yeah. yeah yes. please. So I'm um, wondering if, if a question about how you might think about teachers as co-creators, if, if that, um, sparks anything for you. You, you, were, you were just mentioning how you're, you seem to be playing with the idea of revisiting um, some of the potential co-creators in, in a project and wondering if... Right. You're talking about university or well, you, wherever? You, you work a lot in learning environments and, oh, and you, you, there you you're go. talking about the teachers, but I'm wondering if it's helpful for you to begin to think about a teacher as a co-creator in that. It will be because you know, particularly in education, the role of a, of a teacher is, is, is changing relatively dramatically and will change over the next 10 years or so. So exactly how you're working through this um, this uh, summit together, old teaching was a teacher up front right. and kind of dispensing information and students learning it and memorizing it and regurgitating it. Yeah. But so much more of teaching today really is about being a learning mentor yeah. and helping to facilitate learning and the different styles mm -hmm. and emotional learning and um, um, all the uh, all the different characteristics of learning within the embedded potential of students, and so we were trying to create environments which sometimes catalyze, sometimes nurture, sometimes support teachers and students coming together to create you know, different types and modalities of learning. Great. So that's um, it's an exciting great. time. Great. <laughs> so help me basis. understand. Take, either take that example or mm -hmm. continue to move it. Uh, we're really working hard here on that sustainability is a good thing, right. but it's not enough. To right. do less bad is insufficient, to even try and do good. Right. But right. regeneration is really about engaging with something, with its essence, with where it is, with who is there, what is there. And right. Can you help us see how you're moving in that direction, any place you feel like you're starting to resonate with it? Yeah, I think, so one way I like to think about our business, but also think about the way that we work with all of uh, the people who hire us to do work, is that architecture is not really, uh, and architecture firms really are static if you think of the product as a state of being, and uh, dynamic if you think of them as a process of becoming. Yeah. So our projects help set a framework for constant becoming for constant generation or regeneration okay. of how humans live with each how other. How do you see that? Uh, how humans live. So uh, making places that are specific to where they are. Okay. So using the ecosystems, the building materials, the climate, um, the culture of a location to create a project that's unique. Uh, but with all those attributes, those things are always constantly in flux and changing. Mm. And our projects uh, want to allow people to adapt to the changes that happen in the environment, that happen within their culture. So give me an example of how it would adapt. I'm not an architect, but I love architecture. Yeah. So help me feel what that would look like for adapting. So uh, so at maybe at the simplest essence of what I work on, a, a, a school has places where students learn. And so what we'd like to do is create the ability for a teacher who is interacting in a learning environment with students, one, to change that learning environment 
on an hourly, daily, quarterly oh, basis. Okay. So the environment adapts. Nothing is fixed, so nothing. they have no choice. Right. I got it. Also allow them to move their learning environment. So move from, for example, inside the four walls of a classroom to outside the four walls of a classroom into the natural environment or into other spaces that we've created in the school that are flexible and adaptable as well and unprogrammed. And so it's really about providing kind of a variety of mm -hmm. um, choice and a variety of systems that people and can And you're doing that on top of what is the sustainability work, making sure that you've got the best use of all materials, managing the supply system. You're already doing all that, I assume. Right, yeah. I mean, 25 years ago, that was the leading edge right. of uh, sustainability, was trying to manage energy and water and materials and so forth. And all of those are still important, okay. but we're trying to infuse them with you know more qualitative values yeah, than just right. those quantitative values. So I have a question for Robert. Business development, is it, how do you explain to people what you do so that, because it does cost a little more to do some of these things, mm -hmm. but they make such a huge difference, I know, but how do you help people play with the idea about what they're getting, what the benefit is from it? Uh, I think, you know, our work has always been, uh, it resonates with people because of people really are connected to nature, and I think it starts first with that, and, you know, our take is that you want to build something not, that sustainable is kind of an old word, you know, we, we like to use the word resilient, I mean, things that are going to be long-lasting mm -hmm. and, and that is going to be timeless. And, it's, and that has a lot of value. It's like not, not building the, you know, schools used to be like, we, uh, schools used to be like buildings that lasted 100 plus years. And now we have clients that are coming up and say, well, we only need a 30 year building. Mm -hmm. And so we try not to seek out those types of projects. We want to seek out clients who, you know, we. How pick do you our do that? How do you too. attract those kind of clients? I think, uh, I think we attract each other. Yeah. <laughs> because there, there's, a, there's a value system. But they have to find you. Well, that's, I think that that's. That's why we have built a reputation in terms of the type of work that we do. I mean, uh, we're, we are based in a really uh, great, great city in terms of San Antonio, but it's a small community. But our work is all across the United States and abroad. Wow. It's because we are, are seeking out those best opportunities and clients that are very like-minded. And we aggressively pursue them and vice versa. We get a lot of opportunities from people that said, we like what you did and we understand that, you know, how you build and we want to do that because right. no one is doing that. So you don't have to town. sell them. What they're doing is they hear your story, which yep. we want to help right. spread your story exactly. too. And then when they come to you, you're talking to people who already are valuing something quite different. Yeah, and I think yeah. that it, it, it's exactly like that. We, we're we not salespeople. Yeah. You know, I think it, it's a value you proposition. Strike me as a traditional salesperson. Yeah. It's like having a conversation. Yeah, yeah it's, it's about a value thing. You know, we have a good connection and we know that it's a good fit or not a good fit. And, and sometimes we get a lot of opportunities in the door that we say no to because it's not a good fit because the values are not shared uh, equally. And then, then because of that, we want to have our staff be excited. You know, they came to us to do a certain type of work. I mean, it's, it's not about the bottom line. It's right. about doing good work. Right. In our office, uh, when you walk in, the first thing you see is a watercolor painting that's about 12 feet square mm. that Ted Flato's sister did. Oh and it's a picture of us on the dam at their family's ranch. So our all of our families go out every August to, mm. to the Flato family ranch. And we spend the whole weekend together, kind of a great community for, any, for kids from months old. How many of you is that? 150 probably. Wow. There's okay. three houses, so there's a lot of tents. Okay, right. And they're sleeping on porches and okay. they're sleeping on the ground, and yeah. it's really we're communing with nature and with each other. 
But just, uh, and on our website, you'll often see that photograph of us on the dam at Ted's Ranch. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and, I, and often when we go and do an interview for a project, we'll show that picture maybe at the beginning or at the end. And it doesn't resonate with everybody. But I think what, what you and Robert just discussed is that we're looking for folks who have similar values with yeah. us. And that picture, which is us together and us out in nature, in many ways encapsulates what Lake Toledo really believes and what we can provide to, um, to people who work with us. That's great. So the, um, we solicited you. I know some people went yeah. after you for the, to nominate yourself for the prize because that storytelling had been done well. Mm -hmm. But what made you decide? Because it takes a lot of work to put together. Our applications are not putting your name, what you've done, right? It took a little bit. Yeah. Why did you do it? Well, I, and what I did think, you get out I of it? I think there's a, a couple of folds. You know, we, uh, a couple of years ago, we had a, a um, strategic plan. And out of the strategic plan, we are saying, like, we are at this uh, well-respected uh, firm that did does uh, highly um, sustainable projects, but we said we want to do more. What can we do that's more? Where, where we feel like we are respected, and what can we do to kind of spread that word? And I think that you know one of the things is like we need to go beyond our comfort zone. We need to learn from other organization, like-minded organizations, not necessarily in the architectural realm because are speaking to our peers, but speaking to others that are doing great work. And when when we get a, a consultant or a friend of ours say, these guys are doing great work, we listen. And right. when, they, when they said that what you, you were doing, what your focus was doing in your organization, we said, wow, this sounds pretty cool and something that we want to try to engage in, even though we, we are fairly new to it. And we said, let's, let's try right. it out. You add anything to that? Yeah, I think one thing we've realized is that um, as a firm of 100, we're not going to influence every built or natural environment in the world mm -hmm. by just being architects on it. That's just not um, physically possible. But if we can uh, share what we do in, in other contexts through media that we use, through awards programs that, that inspire other firms to have them look at not only like Plato, but it'll track them to the other groups that are here and have them try to understand how they're being generative and regenerative in their approaches. That's a way that we can actually have a bigger impact than just the buildings that we're able to create. So we're looking for opportunities. I mean, some could maybe accuse us of being, you know, seeking some vanity, but I think from a strategic standpoint, we said, we can have a larger impact because of where we've, um, we've been able to find ourselves in the world if we just share our story more. It's so really hard to, to do, do this prize for vanity because we, <laughs> we make it difficult, uh, not on purpose, but we mm -hmm. make people be really precise uh, about what they're doing using seven first principles. So we don't ask people to share their story directly, but connect it to these seven first principles right. because we're trying to raise your aspiration. Mm -hmm. Plus, we want people like you to be in the honor ranks because we give all sorts of things away to you. Mm -hmm. We pro we offer uh, community conversations online mm -hmm. to do more education development, to allow you to propose. We do other podcasts where you can take Harvard Business Review articles and you can say, this is confusing to me or I'm not sure I agree with this we give a second opinion mm -hmm. and you get to be a part of those conversations that most people mm -hmm. don't so mm -hmm. we're picky about um, <laughs> and we do a we lot of screaming that. even before it gets to the judges to make sure that we don't have people who are doing it just for aggrandizement mm -hmm. as my yeah. father would have said mm -hmm. so one last question for you um, we all have a learning edge. We all have, and in this particular case, I'm interested in what you've gotten so far being here that makes you want to go take on 
and, and maybe you didn't get it just from here, maybe partly from applying for the prize, about moving more deeply into the idea of regeneration, not leaving sustainability behind, but nesting it in something. Where do you feel like the next evolution is that you want to take on to be more consistent with regeneration? Let me start on this, yeah. okay. and Greg can follow up. But uh, um, we had an amazing uh, regenerative summit, we called it. It was a retreat, and it, re it was a retreat at a, one of our first seminal projects. And it was a project that was basically a farmhouse, but we took like basically a decommissioned uh, cement factory, oh, and, wow. and we moved it. They were going to trash it, and we said, hey, that's a great framework for this farmhouse. And we took that. And we built this kind of um, home for for a couple, and then they later sold it. And now it's an Airbnb. So we were able to rent that out and have our regenerative retreat 20 years after the fact. Wow! So it's just kind of like that that cycle you, of life. You were sitting in the place you had regenerated. Exactly, and it. not only that is like that we uh, got moderators, not not other architects. We had people that were working kind of like what you right. and the folks out there are doing. Mm -hmm. We had someone who was a community builder that was building uh, low-income housing in the Washington, D.C. area that was in uh, kind of in Obama's administration to mm -hmm. help kind of facilitate housing for the poor. Or you know, like, And we had others that were focused on biophilia come to talk to us and say, what could we do that, was, that would be more? And I feel like I've been really uh, excited from last night and this morning's conversation about like what that added value we can bring. You know, we're always learning. So we always want to add and, and grow as, as an organization and grow as an, uh, our sphere of influence. I think the thing that I'm seeing, it's developing as a thought that's right fine. now. That's, just from that's the way I'm asking the question. As our typical project has a kind of defined timeline and a defined set of things we do, we get a contract and we, you know, we are obligated to produce those results and we try to stretch the boundary of what that is. So rather than building a project on a piece of land, we think more widely about the community and so forth. But I think, and, and the example of going back 20 plus years later and having a retreat in a building that we had regenerated is a good example of what that Lake Plato could, could look to try to extend our, in a temporal standpoint, extend our um, ability to influence our clients' lives beyond what's required out of our two or three year commitment to them. We're doing that some, we're coming back, we're doing post-occupancy studies and trying to help people understand how they're using what we had designed for them, whether there are ways that uh, they can do it better, whether things we can learn to do it better for them or somebody else in the future. But I think we just need to, we need to push extending that relationship okay. to yeah. infinity. Yeah, it's less time bound than it's more space bound with the, because it, especially I was thinking, when I think about a city, when I'm, I work with corporations, usually big ones, mid-sized ones, mm -hmm. a few small ones in places like this, mm -hmm. but I always in, in, invite them, it's, it's not a gentle invite, it's a strong invite, to bring these folks that I hire often on Call Regenesis, which do story a place. Uh -huh. And then for the city, you actually know what the history of that city is. And it, it's so easy when you're architects to end up in a very bounded physical space and a physical time. Right. Uh, and it changed so much of what we were able to do at Seventh Generation once they actually knew what the Champlain, Lake Champlain watershed was mm -hmm. and its story and how it had influenced things. So that would be a fun 
thing, and that yeah. would take it completely out of space and time, right? Like time boundaries. Yeah. yeah, I think so. I think we're, we're yes, moving and just uh, igno- not not ignoring, but just uh, not being bound by right. Right. the typical exactly. boundaries that come with doing a typical right. project. That's great. Well, um, thank you for talking with me. I am so thrilled that uh, our judges uh, saw their wisdom and found you. <laughs> and uh, congratulations. Um, yeah, so. we are truly honored. I mean, uh, I think we both were blown away last night after after the award that just we're sitting in a, uh, a crowd with such amazing people yeah. and to be recognized is, is a, is a and, huge And to get course. to represent the hundred, there's a hundred people in our right. office, all of them who generated that, the results that were written down yeah. uh, by creating the environment that we are as a company. Great. So it's for them uh, more mm-hmm. than it is. Well, them. thank you both uh, mm-hmm. very much. Robert, we're sorry to lose you tomorrow, but we still have you here, right? You'll have me. <laughs> That's great. Yeah. All right, thank, thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you. Uh, Bye-bye. Yeah.